Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode 17. Marty Lee, Nick Caparoso, Trinity with you. Gentlemen, for the first time in 2020, the Pirates have won a series. It, it, it just does not feel real. It was a sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend. Since the last time we spoke, the Pirates did get swept by the Indians as well, but we won't get into that tonight. Let's get right to it. Brian Reynolds in game number one, coming back. The long ball, the triple, unbelievable catch in left field. How about him? And how about this Pirates offense just coming alive there in game one on Friday? Friday night proved to be a sign of things to come this weekend for Reynolds, which was awesome to see. He really looked like the Reynolds of 2019 all weekend. He saw the ball well. He was on the fastball. He was hitting the ball with authority. You know, he, he didn't look off at the plate. His timing was good. Uh, it, it was good to see. I, it, there's a lot of signs that make it seem like this weekend was probably the start of Brian Reynolds getting things turned around. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the weekend where we saw Brian Reynolds and as we'll get into also Gregory Polanco really get going at the plate with the weekend that we saw the offense finally take off. The other great thing was to see Colin Moran uh, have that big night. I mean, he's been – uh, especially with Eric Gonzalez struggling this week. And Moran's really been the team's best hitter and he throughout the whole season. It's just great to see him continue to add extra base hits and, you know, be someone who, you know, actually is starting to tap into a little more of that upside that we've been told was there. Uh, and like you said, Polanco too, he had a nice weekend. It was good to see him starting to, uh, you know, get on base, drive the really drive the ball, which he's done, but actually like, you know, have something to show for it. Uh, it was, you know, it, it was a, it was a good weekend to see a lot of the young hitters finally starting to, you know, produce the way we expected them to. 
certainly in, you know, guys like Cole Tucker, like you said, the young guys really getting into this weekend. Three hits on Friday, drove in a couple. But the pitcher looks solid as well. That came out, looked good. Only allowed two hits, just a strikeout, but only a run through five innings. Great to see him and, and this bullpen kind of come alive too. That partly your shutout inning and a little bit more. It's starting to turn around here, I think. Chad Cole, that was great to see because, you know, Chad Cole for us has been exciting to watch to see that power stuff to kind of see him blow people away. So it was nice to see him still have a good start, even though he didn't necessarily have his best stuff and he worked out of trouble a lot. And, you know, that's that's a sign of him taking a step forward as well. You know, a couple of years back when he didn't have his best stuff, you know, he would get hit hard and he would give up runs because of it, you know? So hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, that's a step forward for him. And like you said, Hartley, he really looks like he's turning the corner this year. Um, he, he's pounding the zone. He's being effective. Richard Rodriguez continued to be effective that night. Yeah, no, it's hardly here, Nick. Like you touched on, he really looks like a pitcher turned the corner. He's always had the stuff, you know, that power turbo sinker with a really, really good slider, and he's throwing you for strikes this year. Yeah, he gave up that home run on Sunday, but hard throwing relievers. That's going to happen from time to time in today's game. Yeah, what I liked most was when he came in the runner first, nobody out, what to do? Double play ball. Yeah, Hartley has stranded every runner he has inherited this season. He's done a terrific job as a fireman. He's it's like Jared Hughes with power stuff. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He is Jared Hughes with – Especially because of that sinker. <laughs> yeah, more velocity on the sinker and a really good slider to go with it. And he has replaced that role Hughes had, you know, in 2012, 13, 14, 15 when this bullpen was really good. The role Hughes played as the fireman who could also be your seventh inning guy or whatever it might be. Hartlieb has definitely seized that role and run with it. He really has. And he just seems so confident right now. A lot of these guys are, are gaining so much confidence. Um, seven to two was the funnel there. It was not a completely clean night for the bullpen, though. Keone Kayla came in just a few minutes into his appearance. He uh, you know, was grabbing out his left forearm. Seemed to be some tightness. He was pulled immediately. We found out after the game that that was precautionary. Um, but, you know, still something to worry about, especially with uh, a guy that is going to be one of the Pirates' main trading pieces in just a week here when the deadline hits. Does this, you know, completely throw his trade value? Is he still even tradable at this point? I do wonder how much of that precautionary um, that we were told about was about his trade value versus his health because I mean, I, everything I'm seeing still, there's still plenty of, I mean, Rob beer temple himself just put an article out on, on the athletic and he was discussing, you know, potential trades and he was talking about Keona Kella. So I think um, there's a belief that there's still going to be a market for him just because, you know, he has that upside. Um, what's scary is is I don't think you're going to get much back for him now. I think his value overall, I think you could have got maybe a nice prospect and another throw-in if he, you know, continued to pitch and show you it's healthy. Now I think you're just going to get more of a wild card. But we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, hopefully there's nothing more serious that, wrong here, but it's it sounding like he'll be okay. I think with Kella and the trade deadline, it is vital 
that he gets out there and pitches again before he's moved. And I mean, the, the deadline's not until what a week, a week from you're listening to this on Monday, a week from today. So if, if he's unable to pitch before the deadline, he's going to wind up on the injury list anyway, which is going to totally derail any shots of trading him. But I think if they're going to move him, he needs to get out there. He needs to pitch again. And he needs the velocity to be up. He needs the, the, the break in the bike to be done a curveball. He's going to have to look healthy in order for them to move him. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But that definitely could be a big blow to their trade deadline aspirations because of of the, the rental guys the Pirates have available, Ella undoubtedly has the most trade value. You know, when you're talking about Ham, Holland, Draw Dyson, Ella has the most value of that group without a doubt. Yeah, and if I could say this too about the whole Kella thing, if I recall last year, he was pulled from a game because he was tight and had trouble getting loosened up and people were worried and he ended up okay. So, I you know I don't know if this is something similar to that. I don't remember all the details on exactly what was bothering him then, but it seems like this is something Kella's dealt with in the past, where he kind of just has a little bit of almost like dead arm or whatever you want to call it. I want to call it dead arm per se, but just can't seem to get his arm loosened up, and then you know he he ends up being okay. So if it's just that like Marty said, I think they said they're going to reevaluate him early this week being the the Brewer series just ended. I'm sure uh they'll be looking at him, you know, Monday morning. Uh so hopefully like Marty said if we if they can get him back on the field and get him out there for an inning or two to show that, you know, that was just a, a fluke night. Yeah, and, and and like you were getting out a minute ago, Nick, I think that it helps other teams feel a sign of relief knowing that, you know, this this guy could be on our team here in just a week. It's good to see that they're taking every precaution because the Pirates know that Keone Keller is not going to be a Pirate for very long, um, you know, until the end of the season, probably at best. So They're just hoping to get something for him, and I don't think they want to risk not being out at least with something. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely in the boat where even if you get, like you said, Nick, some wild card prospect for Kella, that's better than letting him wash for not being at the end of the year. So you're going to do whatever you can at this point to try and make sure you get something in return to Keone Kella. Friday night was not the most ideal night for trade value in Pittsburgh, but Saturday came and Adam Frazier came as well, hitting a home run early on in that ball game, driving in three. His value over this weekend, I think, has absolutely skyrocketed. Wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, I um, I, I will be very surprised if Adam Frazier is still a pirate come September first. I, I think of what they're looking to move. Josh Bell aside, Frazier has the most trade value right now. I mean, he's going to come with years of control. He's a left-handed hitter. He's a proven commodity at the plate. You know what you're going to get. He can play all over the field. There are a lot of teams who would love to have Adam Frazier on their team. So I do believe Frazier will be moved by the end of the month. And I think him having a big weekend helps a lot with that to get that back going. If he can get on one of those hot streaks where he just goes on a tear for a week or two and really skyrocket that trade value over the next week and then get him moved, it'll be good for the Pirates. And then just, again, not to keep staying the same point or whatever, but I, I really will be surprised if Frazier is still with the Pirates on September 1st. 
and I don't even think it's just the Pirates looking to maximize his value. I also think they're they are looking to create a bats for Eric Gonzalez, for Cole Tucker, guys like that. Moving Frazier is one way to do that as well. I agree, Marty. I'll be surprised if Frazier is here after the deadline. Like you said, um, with so many teams having so many injuries across the league. I mean, look at a team like the Yankees who have seen infielders and outfielders hit the injury list. Um, You have teams, the White Sox, who are struggling to kind of find consistency at second base and out of one of their outfield positions. So, you know, you have juggernaut teams like the Yankees who could always use that extra bench piece, a guy like Frazier who they could use to sub in. Or you have a team like the White Sox who – or the Padres who are looking like they're competing and maybe, you know, they both kind of could use an upgrade um, potentially in the infield or in the outfield and Frazier can give value in either of those. So I think there's going to be plenty of teams that view Frazier as a piece. And that's why I just don't foresee um, Charrington not at least pushing, at, you know, his – chips all in to try to get the best deal he can and get Frazier out of here that way. Like Marty said, we can start getting some more young guys, more time in the infield. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. You know, just at bats for these middle infielders is so key in this season. And, you know, after the sweep, the Pirates are only eight and a half games out of first place, but it still feels like this is a, this is a touchdown this time around. And this isn't necessarily a season where, you know, Adam Frazier getting exit bats or Adam Frazier playing, you know, a certain amount of time to help the team win is, is going to be necessary at times. So a trade makes all the sense in the world. But we know Tarrington will be aggressive. Um, you know, he won't settle. So I, I think you never know. But I would I think, also too, like- if I can build on that trade, is like I don't think Frazier's trade value has been affected all that much. I mean, he, he has 100 plate appearances this year. Um, I think teams are going to look more over the last, you know, two seasons and look at some of the peripheral numbers and see that, you know, he has hit the ball a lot better the last couple of weeks. And, you know, traditionally Frazier's always been kind of a slow starter. So I don't think um, his value has been hurt necessarily by this season. Uh, and plus with that extra year of control, if there is any concerns about, well, you know, is he going to get hot enough this year? Well, at least next year you still have him too, knowing that you'll have more of a full season to get him into your lineup. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this next week goes as well. But like you said, it, it's I think Adam Frazier now is, um, you know, we kind of know where he's at. Most teams in Major League Baseball know where he's at. Deals are probably already in certain general managers' minds. So we'll see what we get there. Derek Holland, though, coming out on Saturday, striking out five. Looking solid. Uh, that's, you know, like you guys mentioned a second ago, another big trade piece for the Pirates. Where does he lie in this whole thing now as we get closer to the deadline? Holland's one that I kind of said a similar thing with Frazier where I don't know if teams are going to be scared about his 6.17 RA. Derek Holland's 33 years old. He's been pitching in this league for the better part of a decade now. Teams know what they're going to get from Derek Holland at this point in his career. He's been, you know, kind of like a swing guy, basically, starter or reliever. 
The big thing this year, he's showing a little more swing and miss stuff. So you might get a little more value actually because of that. But I'm not too concerned about, um, you know, if they're going to get a big package for him or not, because they're not going to. But if they can get a nice, you know, prospect back or two, um, I'll be happy with that. Well, I think one thing to keep in mind with Holland as well, excuse me, he had the one just disaster inning with the Tigers to start the game. And then it was, I want to say the fifth or sixth inning of that game where he was left out there when he, it was clear he had nothing left in the tank and never should have gone out to even start that inning and wound up giving up like three or four more runs without getting out. So if you take out those two innings, you know, you know the, the first inning where he gave up the four home runs and then like the fifth and the sixth where he failed to get down and attack for three or four more runs, his ERA drops to like 330. And uh, of the home runs he's given up, he's given up seven this year, four of them came in one inning. So you, you take away one disaster inning and then another inning in which he had no business pitching and was just he was failed by his manager putting him out there. His ERA is like cut in half. So and like I, I said with with Holland, he's a veteran. So yeah. like teams, they're gonna look at that as uh, more or less a fluke. No one's gonna give up home runs like up like that in an inning unless they're like Neveroskis or someone like that. Teams know that Holland isn't you know prone to necessarily you know, just get lit up like that. Yeah, this, you know, this is a veteran with a lot of playoff experience, World Series experience. That's what I mean. They're going to weigh that a lot more than one bad inning. Yeah, well, well, like you said, Trey, that with the postseason experience, and I've said this all along, his postseason experience, his World Series experience, the clubhouse presence he is, yeah, teams value that stuff a lot more than people realize. To go along with the uptick in his stuff this year, his swing and miss stuff, his improved strikeout rate, like, yeah, I, I really think that there will be a decent market for Holland. And, and you know, if it's not, and when we're talking about markets now, a week ago, there were maybe three or four teams. It's kind of looking like now the Pirates are going to be one of the very few, if not the only sellers in the National League. So you got to think everybody's going to be calling Pittsburgh to try to get a guy that's been there and pitched there before. Um, you know, but we'll see. It's we have two episodes for the the trade deadline. We're going to get into that stuff further and um, keep you guys updated on where we think Adam Frazier, Derek Holland, Gerard Dyson, Jonah Kale, all these guys will end up. But the Pirates finished up the the Brewers on Saturday. Twelve to five was the final. Moran got another three hits, uh, continuing to swing the bat well. He did leave Sunday's game. We'll talk about that in just a second. Jacob Stallings with his first home run of the season. He drove three in as well. The bat's just looking great on Saturday. You know, you got to think that this is going to become a trend. Guys are just looking so confident at the plate right now. Yeah, it, it was great to see the offense really get going this week. Unfortunately. Like you said, Trey, just guys look confident. Like, I go back to that home run Polanco hit on Sunday in the eighth inning, and he hit the ball, and the second he hit the ball, his face just lit up because he knew it was going and just that smile on his face, he's running the bases. And it's just great to see guys going up to the plate now, feeling confident, expecting to come up with a big hit. That's something this team hasn't done all year. And it is great to see. And again, you know, they're 7-17. Seven and 17. They're, they're not going to make some sort of amazing rally here and make the postseason in a 60-game season. Yeah, you know, exactly. 
I don't want to play for that for a high draft pick, but it's just good to see your Brian Reynolds, your Colin Morans, Gregory Polanco, these guys who could be big parts of this team moving forward, finally starting to hit the ball. Jacob Stallings, I mean, quietly, Jacob Stallings has been as good offensively and defensively combined as any catcher in baseball this year. Like, no one talks about the guy at all. And people need to start talking about Jacob Stallings. He is a tremendous defender. He proved that last year. He's continued to prove that this year. And now he's hitting at a great level. And is his offense sustainable? Probably not. But if he's going to give you average to slightly below average league offense to go with his defense, you're talking about one of the better catchers in the National League. Like, this team has pieces that are there. And we're finally starting to see it, which is what's great to see. And, and like you said about Gregory, I mean, Oh my goodness, it seemed like a week ago the dude was lost completely. Just didn't even, you could see it in his face, but now it's like, you know, hey, I got my swing back all of a sudden. I have been hammering this on the podcast all season. He has been hitting the ball hard. If you keep hitting the ball hard, things are going to work out for you. His exit velocity this year is 95.6 miles per hour, which puts him in the 97th percentile in baseball. He's in the 96th percentile in hard hit percentage at 57.7%. You hit the ball hard, things are going to work out for you. Polanco has just continued to go up there with a good approach. Now he still needs to cut down on his strikeouts, but when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting with authority, and hits are finally starting to fall for him. And one thing, too, with Polanco, you know, he really has him pretty snake bitten this year because with how hard he's hitting the ball, you would expect his numbers to be much better. But his batting average and balls in play, even after his two performance on Sunday, is still just 167. And the league average is 300. Just, just getting his batting average and balls in play back to league average is going to give him a big spike in numbers. I really do believe Polanco is going to be okay. I still believe Polanco is your right fielder moving forward. And I still believe that Polanco can be a well above league average hitter. The Pirates would wrap up the series with a sweep comeback victory. Two-run bomb, like you said, from Gregory Polanco in the eighth inning. Five to four is the final. A couple of, of injuries hit, though. Colin Moran leaves the game uh, with a potential concussion. Kevin Newman exits as well. But with these two guys maybe hitting the injured list now, it opens up some roster room. And, and uh, we saved the last little bit of this episode for a discussion on some minor leaguers because we've seen it all week, Marty. You, you haven't been very happy with JT Riddle. Do we see Cabrian Hayes come up soon? If Cabrian Hayes should be on the roster right now regardless. There's no reason for Cabrian Hayes to not be on this roster. If Kevin Newman is put on the injured list and Cabrian Hayes is not called up to play third base every day with Eric Gonzalez at shortstop, I'm going to lose my freaking shit. I'm going to lose it. There is no reason for Hayes to not be in the major leagues to begin with. And if you have a middle infielder, hit the injured list where you can then play Gonzalez every day short with Moran and Bell rotating between first and DH, there's especially no reason for Hayes to not be a third base every single day. And the thing that irritates me is we continue to see Josh Bell make mistakes at first base. And, you know, at this point, this guy's value is going to lie in his bat. Teams are not going to be worried about if he can play first base or not. If they have to put him out there, they will because they'll put him out there for his bat. Teams aren't worried about 
but if there's the DH coming in the National League or not next year, we're not sure. Uh, you know, right now they're saying no. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I believe it's going to be in the next CBA. So I don't really see a reason to just not have it for one season and then bring it back again anyhow. But regardless, I don't want to hear that his market, because he can't play first base, is already limited. Teams want power. Teams will find a place for Josh Bell to play. My point here is Cabrian Hayes is a gold glove caliber third baseman. He has won the gold glove in the minor leagues the last three years. And when I say that, like that is across the whole minor leagues. He is the only third baseman to win that award the last of in the last three seasons. He not only could be better offensively right now than guys like JT Riddle, but he's going to give you elite defense at third base, which is going to improve the team. Colin Moran then going to first base. You can see already Moran looks a lot better at first base than Bell. He looks a lot more comfortable and confident over there. He's going to make some mistakes early right now, but that's just naturally because he's learning a new position. But I see no problem with having Bell DH and hit, you know, a 30 home run pace have Colin Moran continue to do what he's doing and play better defense at first base than have a gold glove caliber third baseman who's your top hitting prospect developing. I don't see why that seems so crazy. I mean, I I think with Kel too, Kel, I would argue him playing first base lowers his trade value. That's what I mean. I think it hurts him at the plate. Yeah, it does because he gets so wrapped up in his defense. Now I don't care what what any player tells you. If you've ever played baseball, you know you're going to take your glove to the plate and vice versa. You know, so I think Bell playing for his base is going to hurt his trade value because he's going to be so wrapped up in that he's not going to be focused on hitting like he would if he's a DH. And with keep and circle back to keep Ryan Hayes real quick too. Here's my thing: if you don't, and I've seen people argue with not bringing Hayes up to burn a year of control when you've only got thirty games left in the season, or whatever it is. I, I understand the argument. But my thing is. If you don't call Cabrian Hayes up this year, I think we can all agree there's no shot you see him before the Super 2 date next year. So you're looking at sometime in June of 2021. Cabrian Hayes, if not for the pandemic, would undoubtedly already be on this roster this season. He would have been AAA and would have been called up sometime in June. So for Hayes to sit in Altoona all year and then go and sit in AAA or whatever it might be, because who the heck knows what Cabrian is going to look like in the spring, go sit in some sort of training camp or a minor league team, whatever it might be, the June of next year. All of that is going to hurt his development a lot more than just being called up and getting the at-bats and getting the reps at the major league level. At this point, Hayes needs to be playing in games. He needs to be facing major league pitching. He doesn't need to be sitting at the Altoona training site to the end of the year. He doesn't need to be on a AAA roster or, again, whatever the minor leagues are going to look like in the spring until June of next year. Hayes needs to be here. It is doing him a disservice. It is not what's best for his development. It is time for the Pirates. Regardless of what happens with Kevin Newman and Colin Moran's potential injuries, even if those two are perfectly healthy, it is time for the Pirates to get Key Ryan Hayes onto the Major League roster. The other thing, 
that if I recall back in spring, there was a report that they were trying to work out a contract extension with Hayes to get him up here. So I don't necessarily know how much they would be worried about service time at this point. I do wonder if maybe that's playing into it a little bit, if they you know, are trying to use this as a little bit of a negotiation ploy to try to get him to take a contract extension. Um, you know, that's stuff that obviously is behind closed doors and we can just speculate on. But regardless, I don't think service time is something that they're worried about um, because I think they would like to maybe try to extend him if they believe that he's going to be the third baseman in the future anyhow. I think one thing with that too is if they were – and that was a report back in spring training. There were like five or six players they were looking to extend, and Brian Hayes was one of them. If they were ready to give him that long-term contract and bring him up to the majors, that tells me they believe he is capable of contributing offensively at the major league level right now. So it, I don't even think you can pull the argument that he needs to work on his batting further. He had a strong second half last year. Yeah, and again, I know we've talked about this a bunch on the site. We've touched on the podcast. His biggest issue last year was he had too many ground balls. His exit velocity, his hard hit rates were well above the average of AAA. He needed to hit more balls in the air. He worked on it in the offseason, and in spring training, the results were there. It looked like the changes he made to the swing was adding more launch angle. It was putting more loft in the ball. So I think he's ready. I don't have any doubts. It's just, it's just boggles my mind. It's just a continue to see J.P. Riddle either getting these at-bats or whoever it may be. And it's frustrating. It really is, especially when you're like this, where the Pirates need to be playing for the future. And outside of Cole Tucker, we were really up to the last week or so. They weren't playing on a consistent basis. I feel like they haven't been doing that, which is frustrating, whether it's, you know, Key Brian Hayes, Blake Cedarland, whoever it might be. Get these guys here. Let's play for the future. Let's see what we've got. Let's start mapping out 2021 and beyond at this point. Figuring out what's going to be best for the Pirates in a year, two years, three years. And it'd be one thing if you had a guy or even a veteran at third base that was giving you some kind of consistency, but that's not there right now. Right now, it's it's time for Cabrian Hayes. It's been time for Cabrian Hayes. Hopefully, the holdup will end soon. Ben Sherrington did visit Altoona on Saturday night to get a look at the youngsters, Hayes, Cruz, Cedarland included. How cool is that? You have a general manager that, that is able to go check out the, the youth. This is something I'm really excited about. Um, There's going to be a big change coming to minor league baseball. Um, The general public probably hasn't heard too much about it. It's been pretty hush-hush. They are, as of now, cutting 40 minor league teams. They're trying to get rid of basically all short season uh, baseball right now. And they would like to just have the two uh, low A, high A, double A, triple A, but it's also sounding like that even the whole minor league system might collapse that, uh, the minor league owners aren't necessarily, um, seeing eye to eye with major league baseball, major league baseball is prepared to possibly implement their own farm system. So, you know, I think this year we're getting a little bit of a taste of what, Major League Baseball kind of envisions with the future of prospect development. I think we might see less um, games to try to put less mileage on a lot, especially these pitchers' arms, and more of these camps and development sites. 
Uh, I think you're still going to have, you know, triple A, double A, single A, but I think you'll still see those really low level um, sites go away. And so where I'm going with this, what I'm excited about is I think Altoona could be, you know, a potential place for this. And it's just really nice that, you know, our general manager is able to go to ours and see all his top prospects and evaluate them for himself without having to rely on the coaches or scouts that he has in Indy, Altoona, Bradenton, uh, Bristol, you know, at, uh, where all these different affiliates are. Um, you know, instead of him having to make a whole trip to go out to Indy for a weekend to watch and then get reports from his coaches, now he can, like I said, he can just drive down the road go and see guys. For instance, the infield, uh, according to Jason Mackey, the infield he watched was Cabrian Hayes at third base, Leover Paguero at shortstop, Nick Gonzalez at second base, and Mason Martin at first base. That's an exciting group of people. Hayes, obviously, he probably wanted to see him. Uh, I have a feeling, uh, you know, he's going to be coming up this week with the injuries. Uh, obviously, Paguero and Gonzalez, they're two they're his two big pieces that he's brought in positionally. So he's definitely going to want to make, get a look at them and make sure that they're developing the way that, you know, he envisions. So I, I think it's, it's cool to be able to know that, you know, our general manager is going out there and being involved. And it's just, it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, Nick, to see how the minor leagues just change. I mean, that's, yeah, that's big news if short season ball was going away. So things will be affected and, um, you know, but hopefully we get some kind of form of, of triple-double, single-way, low ball, still the same. Um, but it, it'll be it'll be really interesting just to see how this offseason works. I mean, this year alone has been so crazy and it, I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to just certain rule changes and, and different things that we thought we might never see in baseball. Yeah, that's for sure. And that that's why I mean, I think baseball is at a point and, you know, with the CBA coming up in two years, there's just going to be a lot of change. And I think, you know, a lot of people might be unhappy, but I think generally for the, the target audience right now, uh, th- this is the way to go. I think people, I've heard nothing but, you know, from people around my age, in their late twenties that they like this extra inning thing. They think it's exciting. They, they actually like the strategy that is just like the casual fans. I'm talking about that. Like some of my buddies, they, they like that. There's a strategy of how to hit a guy in, you know, they, they don't care about the DH thing because, you know, while you lose the strategy there, you added strategy in this. So I think they like that baseball's at least trying to find a way to make the game a little more exciting and a little more efficient. And for as much, I guess, wrong as Rob Manfred is, and for as much hate as he's gotten, at least we're seeing him take this season and use it as an experiment. He's not just playing it like it's a regular season. You know, they're trying things right now. Yeah, my thing with the rules, I mean, anyone who has followed Rum Bunner, has read my writing over the years, knows that I am very pro-DH. I think the designated hitter, universal designated hitter is a great thing for baseball. Um, I personally hate the extra inning rule, especially for, you know, you go late in the season in an important game into the postseason. 
I think it would be, to me at least, it would be similar to the NHL still using shootouts in the postseason. I think it's stupid. That is one rule I do hope goes away. And maybe that is the... Are they planning on doing that in the postseason? I, I honestly don't know. I hope to hell not. But I, I thought they weren't. I thought it was going to be still go back to regular. But even if that, it's like you can go into the last day of the year and you're fighting for a playoff spot and you go next rain game, you know, you don't want to – if you need a team to lose to get in, you don't want them starting a 10th inning with the runner. You know what I mean? I just I, – So you don't like shootouts in hockey though either then? No, I'm not, I'm not a big shootout fan. I understand it. I get where you're at then. I mean, and, and that's kind of the divide though, right? Like some people, that's how they like. I mean, again, people who follow us who read me know that I'm very much new school in my way of thinking for the most part. But I think just the old school in me comes out with that where, you know, I, 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 and I understand why leagues do this. I don't like changing the rules for the casual fan. And when hockey came out of their lockout and added the shootout, they did that for the casual fan. And MLB adding the extra inning base runner, they do it for the casual fan. And again, I understand why you do that. I'm not even saying if I was commissioner, I would do anything differently because you need that casual fan. But as someone who was much more than a casual fan, that's why it hurts. The, the only thing I will say to that, though, Marty, also, is just, just as a, a, a pitcher, you know, and reading Jeff Passan's book, The Arm, I, I, that's the only reason I'm okay with it. I, you see some guys' careers get derailed because of these extra inning games because they end up losing losing their arm because they get overused. Or, you know, they get optioned down and they never get called back up to the majors just because of, you know, roster issues. That That's my only reason I like it is just because I I think it's good to help protect some of these pitchers' arms. No, which is understandable. I mean, you know, to go off of that, you know, look at Daniel McCutcheon in that game in Atlanta in 2011 was never never anywhere near the same pitcher after that game. I mean, he literally had like 10 major league innings after that game because he pitched, what, six, seven innings out of the bullpen or whatever it was. So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't know. I just but I, I think that's what Trey kind of said with Manfred. You know, this this idea maybe like it's not perfect. Yeah. But I at least like this concept of trying to, you know, shorten those extra inning games and at least protect the pitchers a little bit more. And no, I, 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 I think they can find a way to do it. I don't know. It just, it just really irks me to think you could lose a game of vital importance. Because you know, in extra innings, the other team had a winner start on second base. And Maybe the answer is like a roster designation for extra innings. Yeah, it's I, I, I don't know that. that I, of all the other rules, even the seven inning double headers, I like a lot because again, that really cuts down on the pitch decision. You know, your roster management, all that. But I just I, I can't get on board with it. Like I said I, I just would hate. I hate the idea of. Again, you know, it's the last game of the year. You've got a win to get in. The other team's up to one second, and your pitcher gets a ground ball and a fly out. So he's done his job, but you lose the game. It's just, it's just I don't know. That just really doesn't sit right with me. Well, I had a great, great point this week, too, with the rule. It's kind of like in every sport, any overtime rule, you know, anything, it could possibly happen in a game. You're never going to have a case where you have a runner on second base to start the end of the real game. It's just not 
I don't know. I, yeah. I, I get the rule, though, like you're saying, Nick, with, with roster options and just the way some of these bullpen pitchers are taxed. But I, I'm not on board with it either. But I, I will say that is one of the, the few rules throughout this whole thing that I don't think has, you know, really, I guess, worked. Um, it, it, but it has worked at the same time. It's getting people excited. And I think that's what this is about, getting people interested and, you know, maybe just adding a little bit more pace to the game, adding a little bit more excitement at times when, you know, we just we hadn't seen it in years past. So hopefully this is a step towards that. But we'll just continue to see how it works out. And at the next CBA, we might have a whole lot uh, more different in baseball. But it has been a fun trial run. It has been a fun episode of Rum Winter Radio, but that is all the time we have for this one. We will be talking again on Friday. Uh, guys, give us your thoughts on Twitter, whatever you guys want to hear us talk about. We have all kinds of content coming out right now. Articles on Brian Hayes, Gregory Polanco, trade deadline stuff as we continue to get closer. Go check it out, rumbunter.com, or you can find it on our social media as well. As always, our podcast will be on Apple Music. You can find it on fansided.com slash rumbunter, speaker.com slash rumbunter. Let's head to the Twitter. You can find it there too. I'm Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso. My name is Trey Yannity. Pirates, tweet the Brewers this weekend. How about it, gentlemen? Until next time. Let's go back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.